0: To me, it's doing all the little things that no one's probably going to see. So it's the people who do 50 things and probably one of those things is going to pay off. But they still put in the time to do those 50 things, knowing that only one might respond. That to me is grit.
1: Hi, I'm Jubin, business development and go-to-market operating partner at Kleiner Perkins. And I'm really excited to bring you this episode of Go-To-Market Grit a show that interviews amazingly successful sales and go-to-market leaders and explores how they operate, think, and deploy grit every day in order to build world-class teams. And now, on to this episode. Hannah, welcome to the show.
0: Thanks for having me. Excited to talk to you.
1: So we're going to cover a couple of things. One is mental health and sales. And the second is work-life balance. We feel like you're uniquely qualified to talk about these things and can't wait to do so. Before I dive into it, what I'm going to do is I'm going to read your career track back to you (laughs) and then tell me kind of where the blanks are.
0: Okay.
1: Graduated from John Hopkins with honors. And in the middle of that, it looks like you went to Beijing as a part of Columbia's travel abroad. Then you went on to the communications team at United Technologies, which is where it looks like you started your career. Then you went to CEB, which is now Gartner, spent almost eight and a half years there. And you did two and a half years doing research and analysis for what looked like sales leaders at Fortune 500s. Then another almost two and a half years as an account manager. Then it looks like you became a senior director for account manager for about four years, which kind of from what I could infer was your first sales leadership gig or role. And then you went on to be the VP of business development at Hello Wallet for three years, which was ultimately acquired by Morningstar a few years later. Then you went on to Zenefits, which I think most of the audience has heard of, spent almost three years there actually as an individual contributor. It looked like mid-market and then the enterprise sales team. Then you went to Rainforest QA, and this is kind of when your hockey stick career trajectory started. You were at director of sales for a year, then promoted to VP of sales after a year for a year. And now you are at Modern Health, where you are the VP of sales. That was about two years ago. Kleiner Perkins did the Series A. We're very fortunate and grateful. Founders Fund and John Doerr personally did the Series B. Is that right?
0: Correct. Yep.
1: And two years ago, Modern Health had... 13 employees two years ago to the day. And on LinkedIn, it says 113. I think it's probably closer to like 80 or 90. Is -hmm. that right?
0: Yeah, it is. We have a lot of uh, coaches and therapists that we work with. Some of those are included in there as well.
1: Okay. So you're about 80, 90 employees today in about two years. Is that right? Correct. What a great background. Did I miss anything there?
0: I don't think so. I mean, I was thinking back to like when I graduated college, I never saw myself in a sales position I didn't even really know what sales was. And I remember when I was graduating college, I got this job at CEB and luck would have it. I got put into the sales and marketing practice, which is some of you might know, which is where the challenger sale came out of. And so working with the team that got to, to put that together, but I was thinking about this the other day. And I remember I was like two weeks into the job and this role we're consulting with senior sales executives at like fortune 500 companies. And like two weeks in, I remember asking my managers, this is like clear as day. I was like, what is the difference between sales and marketing? (laughs) But I definitely learned a lot. And that's kind of what intrigued me about sales. And I just remember this point thinking like, wow, sales is the revenue engine of a company. And like, how cool would that be to like be on that side of the organization? And so that's kind of what originally got me interested in sales. And, you know, I took a, a path through account management. I've worked for enterprise companies, SMB. And I kind of always tell people like, your career doesn't have to be linear. I think all the different roles I've had in different kinds of companies has been super helpful as I think about growing modern health.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, we've had almost 10 guests or so on the show and none of them are like, oh, yeah, like my life's grand plan was to be a sales leader. In -hmm. fact, none of them even knew what sales was. I mean, it's a pretty common thing. Like You just kind of stumble into it. and You realize, oh, this is pretty sweet. (laughs) Yeah. Can you tell us more about modern health and maybe a brief blurb on how you ended up there?
0: Yeah. So Modern Health is a comprehensive mental health platform. So basically, it's a product that we sell to employers, and then they can give it to their employees to support their employees' mental well-being. And so if you think about it, companies spend an enormous amount of money on employees' physical well-being, upwards of $10,000 per employee per year on things like traditional health insurance. Unfortunately, for a variety of reasons, it's really hard to get access to high-quality mental health care through traditional insurance models. And so that's where modern health comes in. I think what's so powerful about modern health is that we give the right care at the right time. And so basically what that means is when you come in, you take a quick clinically validated assessment. If you're someone that's kind of in the green and needs digital resiliency programs, we'll give you those. If you're someone that's in the moderate stress level, you'll get in touch with a coach. And then if you're someone that has more of a clinical need, you'll get in touch with a clinical therapist. So the beauty of this model is that there's something for everyone and really what we're trying to do is normalize and destigmatize mental
1: health. So play this forward from a sales kind of go to market motion. The way that it works is a large enterprise, pick Google, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Google would offer their employees dental, vision, you know, medical, another health benefit that they would offer their employees is a mental health platform offered through Modern Health that's then subsidized to their employees as a benefit. Is that right? Exactly. And then how'd you end up there?
0: So I met Alison Friedenson, our founder and CEO. I got introduced to her about a year and a half ago. I joked that I literally spent like five minutes having coffee with her. And I was like, I want to work there. <laughs> I'd been in the health and benefits space before, so I knew a little bit about it. But when she talks about the huge gap in this space, the market opportunity is just enormous. And if you think about, you know, all the people that need mental health care today that can't get access to it, that's what excited me most about coming to Modern Health and also having the opportunity to work not only for a high growth company, but for a company that was actually really helping people. And, you know, I would argue all the companies I've been at, we've offered products that have helped people, but this is just in a very personal and direct way, which is really exciting because it means that every new company we bring on, we're not just celebrating additional dollars for Modern Health, but additional healthcare access and mental health care access for thousands of employees.
1: I love it. So, mental health and sales, I do want to be clear that this is kind of a businessy show if you will, but <laughs> I do want to start with a quote to kind of orient the conversation. Data from the World Health Organization shows that for every dollar invested into treatment For common mental health disorders, things like anxiety, depression, burnout, there's a $4 return on improved health and productivity. So Mm -hmm. take away everything else. Let's just assume nothing else mattered and you're an employer. There's clearly a lot of data and evidence showing that mental health and taking care of your mental health, similar to the way that you would your physical body or health, actually has outsized returns on the productivity and gains that you have as an employee. Maybe if you could start with. What does mental health mean? I just feel like it's such a broad, open-ended phrase. What does it mean to you?
0: Yeah, it's a really good question. And I think when you ask a group of people, do you have physical health? Everyone's going to raise their hand. Of course, I have physical health and I take care of my physical health. When you ask, and I think Allison's done this when she's had speaking engagements, when you ask a big group, do you have mental health? You see like a couple hands going up, not so sure. When in the reality is we all have mental health and it's something that we all should think about every day. And it, you know, it encompasses a lot of things. It encompasses the relationships you have at work, life challenges that you may be facing, you know, your resiliency and how you can respond to certain stressors in your life. So, I mean, it's a pretty broad topic, I guess, at a core level.
1: And then specifically, I'm really curious in sales, do you think there's a stigma? I think of salespeople as the antithesis of people that would raise their hands in that room thinking about mental health. Mm -hmm. And I've thought a lot about this and I've gone through my own bouts of stress and anxiety and all the things that come with the profession. Why do you think there's a stigma around it if you do?
0: Yeah. I mean, there definitely still is a stigma. I think it's also related, and this isn't true just for sales. I mean, you can think of this about any job within a company. If you're facing mental health challenges, who's the first person you're going to go to? Your manager? And then your manager is also the one giving you your performance reviews, And so it's sort of this weird dynamic where it's like, how vulnerable do I want to be with my manager if my manager is ultimately like helping shape the direction of my career? That said, I would say across the past two and a half years, I've seen a significant change in terms of the account executives in particular that I've worked with coming to me more with mental health challenges. Which, you know, is is kind of a blessing and a curse. It's a blessing, obviously, because people are opening up about it and the stigma is fading away. It's really one of the sort of negative side effects is that it becomes really challenging for managers because managers oftentimes don't have the tools and resources to address that when one of your employees comes to you with challenges in that area. And so this is something actually also why I was so excited to come to Modern Health, because if you have a solution like Modern Health, your manager can say, like, I hear you. I understand you. Thanks for being so open. Here's a resource for you. And it makes it a lot easier for the managers. But also getting back to your point about, like, the value of mental health and bringing a mental health solution into your company, I kind of also looked at that from a sales perspective. So previous companies, let's say I've had a team of 20 account executives. You know, on those companies, in those teams, we've probably had, like, One person who had to take an extended paternity leave because their partner was having challenges around postpartum depression after the birth of a child. They couldn't get access to help. And then, you know, the person on my team had to take some additional time off. Another person was coming in late every day, had substance abuse issues, and that obviously negatively impacted their work. Two other people decided to leave the company because it was just too high stress. So if you look at, you know, you have a team of 20 and four or five people can't perform at an optimal level because of mental health challenges, like it becomes so clear that's 20% of quota coverage that you don't have. And that is true for every function within a company. It's just in sales, that's a lot easier to quantify and to see the impact of that.
1: I also think, I don't know if you agree, but generationally, I think that it's becoming more and more Mm destigmatized, And so, you know, maybe the new era of reps that you might be leading and and are, you know, more open to something like this. Like even myself, like I would probably Mm -hmm. identify myself in that era of rep. You know, I go to a therapist and I told my mom that and she immediately freaked out. Like what's wrong, (laughs) what's going on, what's the problem? And I said, mom, I spend so much time taking care of my physical health. Like I Mm -hmm. eat well, I sleep well, I work out. I have literally invested zero in mental Mm -hmm. health and selfishly, like if I'm doing all this for optimizing for work, then I should probably think about that, you know, like there's probably a good reason for me to do it. And so I think generationally it has started to maybe destigmatize a little bit. I don't know if you agree with that or if you feel like that within your teams as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, definitely. And I think it's incumbent upon leaders to be the first ones to say, like, I'm taking care of my mental health and I'm seeing a coach, I'm seeing a therapist, I'm getting to bed early, I'm working out, like all those things that contribute to your mental well-being. I mean, now more than ever, we know that we need to be more resilient. I mean, salespeople have always known that you need to be resilient because it's, it's a grind and you have to hit the numbers quarter over quarter, But like, I mean, look at the world we're facing now. I mean, it's incumbent upon leaders to take care of their mental health so they can support the team and do all the things that the world needs of us right now.
1: Yeah. So to be at a startup is stressful enough. To be selling at a startup, it's almost insane. Like To have a quota at such a high risk environment and then kind of like add some variable components of risk to that environment, that is a lot of stress why would anyone sign up for that? And I think we're both laughing because we continue to sign up for that. But why would you do that?
0: I mean, I've loved having a career in sales personally because, you know, it's very numbers oriented. Your performance speaks for itself. Your earning potential speaks for itself. There's so many great things that come from all of that. But, you know, I've told people that are younger in their careers that, you know, I think one of the key attributes that makes a successful salesperson for the long run is this resiliency. And the ability to like hear no's all day and continue to get back up. I mean, I was doing the math a couple of weeks ago, which I should have never have done and found (laughs) out that I've been selling for like 60 quarters.
1: (laughs) Oh my God. So I was
0: like, oh gosh. Yeah. I mean, this is a a marathon and not a sprint and you need to keep filling the bucket. And so that you don't become too depleted with your mental health or you're not going to perform well for yourself or for your company.
1: Do you think doing startup sales is a way to build that resilience faster? The way I think about it is like, okay, if I'm a rep at a startup, I have to go get my own meetings. I have very little legal resources. I have one SE that might be shared with a few other people, right? I have very little channel help over and over and over again. Like there's all these things that it's like, okay, I kind of have a gut check of, can I get this thing across the line and what do I need to do? The onus is on me as an individual to push through whatever it might be, have and create that resilience to go figure out a way when in a lot of cases that way has been paved when you might be at a big company. That's what I was referring to. It's so
0: true. I mean, when I see people come from like big established organizations, it's like one they're used to like having the resources there, but two, like if you come from a company with a strong brand name behind it, you can sell in a different way than if you're at a company where you're just proving yourself. You know, at the early days of modern health, before we had much brand recognition, we had to overperform in terms of our professionalism, the way we wrote emails, the way we interacted with customers, the bar is a lot higher because you're sort of making up for the fact that like you don't have that market momentum yet.
1: Yeah. And I think in a lot of cases, tell me if I'm wrong, but ideally you're hiring someone or a set of people that can help create those things, right? Like the Mm -hmm. onus isn't always on you to go Mm -hmm. ahead and write the playbook for everyone. Hopefully we're hiring people that are as good, better than you that can ideally write that playbook going through a bunch of the turmoils and tribulations that are inevitably gonna come up so that hopefully for the next sets of people that you hire, it's easier.
0: Mm Yeah. And I think that's why startup careers are so exciting. And we hear that from candidates all the time. And I felt like this myself, like you might be a high performing AE at a well-established company and you might actually be bored and it's not fulfilling and it's not energizing for you. And so you're kind of craving that ability to build things. And obviously that's who we're looking for at a startup.
1: Yeah. This is going to be kind of a weird question, but do you feel like as you spend more time in sales, 60 quarters, you said it, (laughs) not me, do the ups and downs of trying to hit your number, get any easier? And so maybe again, like I'll requalify the question. I haven't been going to the gym recently. There's no gyms that are open. So what I've been doing, I've been biking and running. Okay. And when I bike and run, I end up typically doing the same amount of distance every time. And what I found is that I get a lot faster in those distances. I become a lot better running five miles or biking, whatever miles I am, but it's not any easier. It's still just (laughs) as hard. Do you feel like that in sales? Or do you think it does get easier?
0: I think it's just as hard. And I think when you become like sort of the leader of the sales function, it's even harder because if you're a good leader, in my opinion, like you're putting a lot of that pressure on yourself and like you're the one with ultimate responsibility for the team hitting their quota. So I think once you get to a certain level within the organization, the pressure just gets getting more and more. Like it's, it's the sort of fallacy that like, oh, I'm an AE, I just want to get promoted. I'm going to be a manager. It's going to be a little easier. The next step is going to be easier, more glory. <laughs> That's why you really have to be thinking about your mental health because it just gets harder. And the first VP of sales job I had, I mean, it was incredibly, incredibly challenging, you know? And I, I wasn't really thinking about my mental health because I was just running so fast until like I really had to take a step back and think, okay, I need to fix things before I can move to the next
1: level. Do you think you've built strategies of resilience to deal with this in a better way? So yeah, maybe it hasn't gotten any easier. In fact, the pressure continues to mount. The stakes are much higher. You're now responsible for other people's success, let alone a company's success. But do you think as you've gone quarter to quarter that you've built that resilience and kind of have a tool set that you can now pull on because you've seen other things before?
0: Yeah, definitely. And it's simple things too. You know, things that I work with my modern health coach on simple, simple little things like going to bed 30 minutes earlier, working out for 30 minutes a day, getting some perspective. For me, it's not like, okay, I'm going to plan this big vacation every, you know, quarter. If I'm waiting for the vacation, I'm never going to sustain myself. It's like the little things that I'm doing every single day to get perspective and just the basics, sleep, eat, workout, like all those kinds of things. You just need to do a little bit of it, not even necessarily every day, but at least a couple times a week.
1: Do you feel like you've been doing a good job of it? If you look at yourself in the mirror and say like, hey, am I practicing what I preach? And I think this all the time, like, man, I'm not doing a good job taking care of myself right now because priorities come up, like kids happen, you work mm-hmm. from home, there's a million things that happen. Do you think you can be consistent about those things that really make you sane?
0: I'm pretty good at it. I think obviously the past three months has been an incredible challenge. Whoever anticipated we would be working from home. I have two kids. It's chaotic. Modern health is so busy. And so there's points in your life when like, of course, it's impossible to stick to some of those things, but that's when it comes back. And I think about this with my team, but what is your manager doing to help you in those moments? And I remember I had a conversation similar to this with our CEO, Allison. I was telling her some of this about what I was working through. And she's like, okay, here's this workout plan. It's this little PDF thing. She sent it to me on my phone. She's like, just try this. Do this every day, you know, because she knows that's something I like to do, but it's hard for me to get out with kids at home and stuff. It's just super simple things like that. So now I'm going in the backyard for 15 minutes and and doing some exercises, but it's actually really helped. So I think it's important if you're a manager too to figure out with your employees, what's going to sustain them? What are those little things that they need during the day? And then giving them the space and time and encouragement to do those things.
1: And- double clicking on the thought that you just had as a manager, how do you make sure that your team feels supported by you, but also push them to get the most out of them? I feel like sometimes Mm -hmm. that's a really tricky balance. Do you have any tips and tricks or, you know, some folks say they want to be really close to their team and they want to be friends. Others, you know, kind of take the opposite approach and they're not that way. I don't know. Any thoughts on that?
0: Yeah. I think the one easy thing we have going for us in sales is that it is so numbers oriented. So I think if you base everything on having a very strong performance culture and you're constantly talking about, you know, how are we going to get to quota? How are we going to exceed quota? What are the deals that we're going to get there? You're celebrating people that get to quota. So all those things that go into building this performance culture And then at the same time, people lead and manage in different ways. I think my style, I'm just sort of a naturally optimistic person, is to just, we can do it. We can get to, you know, 5X quota. We can get to 10X quota, even when people are like rolling their eyes at me. So that's the way that I try and support people is pushing them to get over what they potentially think they can get. But there's no one right answer. I think it's just like tapping into whatever works for you.
1: Besides habits and routines, do you do anything to deal with? the end of quarter crunch. So maybe I'll give you a personal example. Like when I was in Chicago, they have something called the river walk, which in Chicago Mm -hmm. is like kind of a sidewalk down the river. And people must've thought I was literally insane because every day I would check in with the team on the last two weeks of a quarter and I just walk up and down. And sometimes, you know, my tone would Mm -hmm. fluctuate (laughs) and I'd be yelling and whatever. But that was my way of, okay, I gotta be outside. Otherwise, I'll just feel the crunch way too much towards the end of the quarter. I got to continue to work out. I have to have my salad, whatever it is. Mm. But that little thing of going outside, taking a walk, really helped me kind of ease that crunch at the end of the quarter. And it was one of the tools in my tool belt that I pulled out. Do you have any of those things that you think about now, especially working from home all the time that you've developed?
0: Yeah. I mean, the end of the quarter, I think maybe the time when my team likes me the least. Because <laughs> we're just I go through every deal every single day. And I'm like, what happened here? What happened here? But I was telling them the other day on a call, I was working one of our opportunities with one of our AEs and the client came back and proposed something that I hadn't even thought of. And I always pride myself on like, I see every risk in a deal. And I just hadn't seen that in this one. And I'm like, but that's why we push each other as a team. And that's why we're constantly questioning each other. Like, what are all those risks? So that's kind of what I do at the end of the quarter. But and then in terms of my sanity, I think there's a lot of benefits (laughs) of having kids and being a sales leader. And like one of them is that it just takes me away from that. So when I'm spending time with them in the evenings and putting them to bed, like I just have to totally disconnect. So I'm on with them. So I think some people who are considering having kids are thinking like, can I do both? And actually, I would say there's some benefits. And one of the benefits is that it does kind of pull you away and it gives you some perspective.
1: Yeah. And I actually really want to talk about that. I'm going to save that for a minute and I want to come back to it. And you just mentioned something about like, you know, inspecting things with your team. They feel the crunch. You feel the crunch. You're all driving towards a number. One of the things that I found tricky is you obviously feel a responsibility towards the quota and the revenue dollars for the team. Like you have a number and then that number then gets allocated to the rest of the team. And then everyone has their own individual number that rolls up to you. How do you make sure like you don't pass that stress down to the team? Like I've had managers before where it's so obvious that they are so overwhelmed that they just pass that burden on to me. And I'm like, come on, this is not helping anything. I feel stressed. You feel stressed. Like we get it. How do we be on the same team tackling this together? I just feel like sometimes it's a tricky balance, especially when you're inspecting deals, looking at these things. I'll leave it open-ended.
0: Yeah. I mean, I've, definitely fallen into that trap before because I'm naturally kind of like a high stress person around opportunities. (laughs) (laughs) So if you were to talk to some people, hopefully on previous teams, hopefully not as much here, but like earlier on, I think people definitely would say that I pass some of that stress down to them. That is one of the hardest parts. Like as a leader, you have to be able to absorb some of that stress. And I think that's why it's just even more incumbent to focus on your own mental health because that doesn't benefit anyone to have that stress trickle down to the rest of the organization.
1: Totally. Every time I talk to you, at, you and know, I talk every couple of weeks or so on just how things are going, I ask how things are. And the first answer that you give me, even now, is how grateful you are. You always start with how grateful you are. And it kind of struck me, and I was hoping you would say it is one of the things in your tool belt, but I'm gonna bring it up now anyway, is kind of your perspective on things. Is a good tool in your tool belt. And if you have the right perspective, in this case, look, I just love what I'm doing. I'm fortunate that we have a great team. We have a great opportunity ahead of us. We're doing something that's making a difference. Do you think that perspective is a good tool in your tool belt to kind of deal with the stress?
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think we have so much to be grateful for, even though these are challenging times. And that's also one of the themes that runs through the modern health values. So, That gives me a lot of energy. So I guess coming to your point about work-life balance, for me, it's like finding things that energize you and where you feel like you can make a contribution. And that might be working. I mean, for me right now, it's working really long days and like working on the weekends, but that doesn't feel like a huge trade-off because I feel like I'm contributing to something meaningful that I care about. And so I never have had this concept of, okay, work needs to be perfectly in balance with life. And it's like this perfect scale. It's very messy and complicated. And being grateful helps you with making those trade-offs on an hourly basis.
1: Totally. Jeff Bezos, he talks about work-life harmony, not work-life balance. And he says, if the goal is to delight your customers, you can't do that. If you're unhappy looking at the clock, it's not a strict trade. When you're happy at work, you come back more energized. You're a better husband, better dad, mother, father. And when I'm happy at home, I'm a better boss and colleague. I couldn't agree more with that. Like I do feel like sometimes we feel like there's such a clear cut delineation between work and home. And I think especially these days, that line has clearly started to be blurred more. So how are you managing work and life right now? Like how have you thought about adjusting your routine? I hear a lot of folks say how productive they are right now and I immediately think, but you don't have kids. You know, (laughs) I don't have kids. I feel productive. But again, that's pretty easy for me. Like I don't have rugrats running around. Yeah. How are things going right now? Have you adjusted your your routines?
0: I mean, I'll be honest, it has been incredibly, incredibly challenging having basically what feels like three jobs, (laughs) you know, my modern health job, and then everything as it relates to my kids all day and being a teacher to them. And I think like early on, I talked to my modern health coach and I was like, I can do this. You know, I'm staying up till midnight every night. My kids are in front of the TV all day. Like I got a plan down. (laughs) And he was basically like, you need to do something that's sustainable. Like this, again, it's like a marathon. It's not a sprint. Like this isn't going to be over in two days. And I could have kept that schedule up for maybe two or three weeks without crashing. And, you know, I'll be honest, like things did suffer because of trying to do all of that. And, you know, mainly it was My kids like spending way too much time in front of a TV. Um, So eventually, like we had to get more help and we had to figure out a way to make it work because it has been really hard. And I just think this has been my challenge. Everyone has their own challenges. And I try and think about that with my team. Yes, they might not have the challenge of kids and, you know, the exhaustion that comes from that. But there's other things that they're dealing with. And I think it's important for leaders to be empathetic that like people have challenges that are different than yours. But like we're all having challenges.
1: No, Absolutely. I know your team is big in in office culture, like I know the modern health team really believed in having an in-person office culture. And I think this is an interesting test to like what that means. What do you think has changed? What do you think is better now that things are remote? What do you think are some of the core values that you saw in an in-office culture that are now reinforced being far away from everyone?
0: There's a lot that's better. And I hope that like when we get back to whatever we get back to whenever it is that we incorporate these things. I mean, I actually think our communication is a lot better just because we're having to document things in writing, like we're constantly chatting through Slack. And before, you know, I might talk to an AE that's two desks down for me, but then the AE that's three tables down doesn't hear it. And so just the fact that like now all communication is captured in one place, I think is particularly powerful. I think we're having daily meetings. We call them coffee meetings. It's at 8.30 every morning. We don't have an agenda. It's the entire sales team. We end up filling the entire 30 minutes every morning with just like, oh, I heard like a competitor was doing this on a last call. How are you approaching that? I approached it this way. Oh, wait, I sent an email about this yesterday that could be helpful for someone else. So it's interesting because I actually think the communication's a lot better being remote. The thing I miss the most is like the camaraderie of celebrating wins and successes and, you know, just like seeing the joy on people's faces when something that they've been working on for a long time comes through. I don't really know how to get that part back yet, but that's the biggest downside in my opinion right now.
1: Do you think you lose any of the osmosis that happens being in an office together like just little interactions little things that come up as you're walking by someone both that enforce maybe uh you know hey i ran into this thing at this deal or something personal right do you feel like that value was overstated and you can still get all those same things remote or do you feel like you're kind of missing that not being in the office
0: i think from uh working opportunities and everything that goes into that i think it's potentially better I think the interpersonal things and the things that you can pick up on, just like seeing someone's body language and how your team is feeling that day, those things are much harder. So yeah, I'll look forward to hopefully getting back and seeing everyone soon.
1: Yeah. And by the way, if it's too personal, just let me know. But I have a mentor at the firm, a partner there, and him and I talk all the time. And I ask him all of these questions about work-life balance. And it's something that's on my mind a lot because I have a pretty good imbalance. (laughs) And the question that I asked him is, do you talk to your family, your wife, your kids about work? Like, do you bring work home? And this was when there was a delineation between Mm -hmm. home and work. And the answer he gave me was that it's amazing when you see your kids grow up, a majority of the things that they learned and talked about happened at the dinner table. That was his Mm -hmm. response. Like all of these things that you talked about happened at the dinner table. Mm-hmm. And at my dinner table, it was always about work. And so, no surprise here, I end up over indexing towards talking and thinking about that kind of stuff. How do you think about bringing your work home with you? Does that go to a mentor instead? Is it healthy? Is it unhealthy?
0: Yeah, I feel like it, this is another thing that has shifted across the past several months. Because I used to, you know, my kids would go to school, I'd go to work, we'd all come home at seven o'clock, we would have two hours before they went to bed. And like, The last thing I want to talk about is work at that point. Like, I just kind of want to hear about their day and, you know, I want to just talk to them. They don't really get work. They're so young right now, but it's been interesting because now across the past three months, they've seen me work every day and I'm hoping that this is a positive. And sometimes I feel bad about it. I'm like, gosh, they just see me work all day and they don't know what I do when I sit in front of this computer. But then I have to think, hopefully I'm teaching them. The value of work, and they can start to see And, and it's funny, they're picking up on little things, like they know my coworkers' names more, they kind of <laughs> know what modern health does. And so it's like, you know, take your daughter, take your son to work day, like they're really getting it a little bit. And so I do try and tell them about work. And, you know, I'm in a fortunate position where when I talk about work, it's talking about also an important lesson, I think, for kids, which is to think about your, you know, emotional health. And I try and teach them lessons. No emotions are bad. They're all good. Let's get these emotions out of your body and talk about them. So I try and bring some of the concepts that I'm learning through working for a mental health company to like, you know, hopefully translating those to teachings for my kids as well.
1: Look, there's no hiding it. Like it's a big part of what you do. I mean, just in the sense of like how you spend your time, a ton of your life, times like hours devoted to this thing. I do think in some way it's kind of healthy to see like your drive, your ambition, Mm -hmm. the sense of purpose that it gives mom and dad. I do Mm -hmm. think there's something missing there, especially working from home now and the kids, most importantly, Mm -hmm. being home as well. Right. Mm -hmm. I think they see that more. And I think that's probably a healthy thing No, Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how kids come through all this and the benefits and negatives.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. Again, if I'm crossing the line, let me know if it's too personal. Do you bring like, honey, I have these five deals. We're missing our champion here. We don't have budget on this. I'm like, do you bring any specificity around it? Do you try and avoid it at all costs? I'm so curious. How does that work?
0: Yeah, actually, my husband is in sales too. So that is helpful. Like I can run scenarios by him and be like, you know, how would you approach this? So he gets it. So he kind of gets it. Yeah. Yeah, So that's good. Although he's much more enterprise consulting sales, like more established company. So he sees some of the stuff that I do. And he didn't actually have a good appreciation for startup life until I started working from home. And then he was just like, there's so much stuff to do. I had no idea this is all that goes into it. So that's been kind of interesting.
1: Yeah, I've heard a ton like, oh, my girlfriend, my boyfriend, my husband, my wife. Mm -hmm. She now has so much appreciation for what I do because I'm (laughs) listening to her calls all day. (laughs) I've heard, Oh, I didn't know she had that nastiness in her, you know, or he had that meanness in him. There's all these different sides of people's personality that are showing. So yeah,
0: it's so funny. It's a
1: forcing function, right? Yeah. I'd love your opinion here, but it does create empathy for someone as a person when your Zoom calls, their bed is in the background. You know (laughs) what I mean? Or your kids hop on your lap during a Zoom call. I do think we take work pretty seriously, but seeing those things, I always think creates a moment of levity and bringing it back to perspective of, man, there's a lot of other stuff going on and I feel like it starts to break down and degrade those barriers a little bit when it's at home and not at an office all the time. I do think those lines get blurred and I think that's a healthy thing for mm-hmm. empathy and all those things. I don't know. Do you agree?
0: Yeah. I mean, I will say the first couple of weeks to a month were incredibly hard from the perspective and of being a female sales leader. You know, I feel like, and I think a lot of this is internal just because there's very few female sales leaders. I've always felt like I need to prove myself. And so like up until now, I have very much separated work and kids. I am Hannah, the sales leader. And you know, I'll talk about my kids, of course, because I love them and I can't help myself, but it has been very separate up until now. And so it was kind of like a struggle. I kind of had this internal feeling, have I been knocked down a notch? Because I would be very careful not to have my kids come into Zoom calls because I don't want to be the mom on the team that's like, oh, she's just got other things going on. Give her a break. I just wanted to be known as like the best sales leader out there. So it was kind of like this internal struggle where as I liked it for my team and I liked getting to know more about my team and stuff for myself, it was really hard. And now I think I've gotten better and it's ultimately a good thing, but it was hard at the beginning.
1: That's a really great point. You think you've over-indexed because there's this stereotype that, hey, Mm -hmm. like I'm a woman, and so I must have all these other responsibilities that take away from my job, whereas a man Mm -hmm. obviously doesn't have those responsibilities or whatever, right? And so you feel like you've had to over-index away from that stereotype.
0: Yeah. I never wanted to be known as like the mom sales leader. You know, I've had to try and shield that part of my life to some respect. So I think this will be healthy for everyone in the long run.
1: Yeah. It turns out dads have kid responsibilities <laughs> yeah, and home <laughs> responsibilities and everything else too. And this is a great, I think that's a, a really, really amazing point. This is also a way of kids get on dad's lap too. Yeah. <laughs> Dad has to do all the same things. Did you have any hard rules? So I always thought, all right, when I come home, the phone goes away. That was my idealized version of separation. It's impossible. Do you have any hard rules or things that you do? Again, like kind of tools in your tool belt around how do you know when it's time for something else that's not work and pulling yourself away from work if possible? And maybe the answer is work is my life and life is my work. And there really mm-hmm. is no difference. And I love my job so much that I don't need to pull away at any point.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, back when I was on more of a regular schedule, it was like that time period of when I came in the door between 6.30 and 7.00 and when I put the kids to bed at 8.00, it's just such a small window. So it's so precious that that time is not taken up by anything else. And so that was kind of my time to just like reset. The other thing I would do is I've been lucky in a lot of jobs to be able to run home. It sounds so simple, but just to be able to like have that separation because I don't want to take additional time to work out when I only have such a small amount of time with my kids anyway. So if I can run and commute at the same time and I probably look, (laughs) I look so like, you know, with my backpack on and and my work clothes in my backpack. But that little thing for me was kind of like a little hack where I could get a workout in. I could, you know, kind of get all my like anxiety from the day out, come home, be refreshed with my kids made a big difference
1: before I end it with the same questions that I usually do. Anything else that you feel like sharing?
0: No, I mean, I guess I just have to, you know, I feel like I have to say this, especially everything I've learned being in a mental health company and especially in the times that we're in right now, it's just take care of yourself, devote the time, you know, whatever extent possible. If it's something as small as going to bed 15 minutes earlier or dedicating time to connecting with your friends every day, like don't let those things fall by the wayside because If you do, you'll hit a roadblock at some point and it'll be really difficult to come out of it. So, you know, keep that resiliency up so that you can support yourself and all the other people around you that need it.
1: That's a great message. So if someone hears this, they love what you're doing, what Modern Health is doing. Are you hiring and how does someone get a hold of you?
0: Yeah, we're hiring. We're hiring enterprise account executives. SDRs, an SDR manager, a whole bunch of roles across the company. So if you're at all interested, reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'm happy to connect with
1: you. And then last question, what does the word grit mean to you or how do you apply it with yourself or your teams?
0: To me, it's doing all the little things that no one's probably going to see. So it's the people who do 50 things and probably one of those things is going to pay off. But they still put in the time to do those 50 things because they know one of them will likely pay off. And that one thing, whether it's calling a company, you know, writing a super personalized email to 50 companies, researching that person, finding out what you know their pain points are. And again, doing that 50 times and knowing that only one might respond, like that to me is grit.
1: Anna, thank you for the time.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me.
1: Thank you folks for tuning in to learn from our amazing guest and for indulging me as the rambling host. I hope you enjoyed today's show. If you'd like to get in touch or keep up with the pod, please follow me on Twitter at Jubin Mir or shoot us an email gtmg at Kleiner If you liked what you heard and want to hear more, please support the show by subscribing on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you use to listen. Thank you and I will see you next time.